6, Isaiah chapter number 6 this morning. If you're there, say amen. All right, the Bible says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, thine iniquity is taken away, thy sin purged. Also I've heard the voice saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. And ye see indeed, but ye perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy. Shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, Until the cities be waste without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord had removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land, but yet in it shall be a tenth, and it shall return, and shall be eaten as a tail tree, and as an oak, whose substance is in them, when they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be a substance thereof. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the business that you've already done this morning. Thank you, Lord, for passing by and saving Brother Kim this morning, Lord. I'm so thankful, uh, Lord, that you're willing to be so gracious and to be so merciful. Lord, I know what it's like, Lord, to question, and I know what it's like to, Lord, wander and, and try to push all that stuff out of the way. But, Lord, thank you for speaking clear to my heart this morning. And I ask you, Lord, this morning to work in the hearts and lives of those that are gathered here this morning. Lord, for those that are saved by the grace of God. Oh, God, would you give us a burden for the souls of men? God, would you help us to see not just people, but people who have an eternal destination. People who are sin sick, people who need hope and help. And Father, help us to see the remedy that we have within ourselves. For Christ, you live in our heart this morning. And Lord, you know, we know, Lord, we know you are the answer. I pray, Lord, this morning that you hide behind the cross of Calvary. Lord, you get me out of myself, Lord, and fill me with the Spirit of God. Thank you for your presence this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you're willing to go to church with us. We ask you now, Lord, you to work on our hearts through the preaching of your word this morning. Make it personal to each and every one of us. Make it applicable, Lord. Help us to use in our everyday life. Lord, we love, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You have a seat this morning. Thank you so much for standing as we read God's word and not only does it help us reverence God's word, but it makes it easier for the kids to get in and out of the pews and to the nursery and all that wonderful stuff. But we're here in Isaiah chapter number six this morning, and uh, I was praying about and seeking God's wisdom and direction for the service this morning and tonight, and I realized as I was getting things together that God has me on the same line that he had me on last Sunday, 
Last Sunday morning, we dealt with the go and what was keeping you from going. And this morning, we're going to deal with the go as well. But then tonight, like we did last Sunday night, we'll be dealing with the give. Because the reality is faith, promise, missions, and, and all of that stuff is a give and go. There's no way to separate the two. There's, there's no reason to separate the two. We ought to be willing to go, and we ought to be willing to give. But we see here this morning, I want to preach on this thought. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Here we have Isaiah who is a prophet called of God to those that were within Judah and he's, he's called and he's, he's got a, an interesting ministry to say the least. The latter chapter, latter part of chapter number six tells us that God is going to use him to tell and to, to cast and to pro, uh, prophesy about judgment on the nation and, of Israel and Judah specifically. And we realize he even tells Isaiah, the more you tell them, the less they're going to listen. But wouldn't that be a blessing? Wouldn't that be wonderful to hear from God? The more you tell them, the less they're going to care. And it seems like the less they're going to listen. But he said in verse number 13, there shall be a tenth. There shall be a small group of all the vast people you're telling who are going to listen and who are going to to get it. Now I know this morning that God is capable and able to save every single person that is alive and that has breath in their lungs and a beat in their heart this morning. But we also know according to the word of God and just by observation that not everybody's going to choose Christ. Does that mean we stop? Does that mean we sit silent? Does that mean we quit? Absolutely not. Can I say, if even if I just reach and able to reach a tenth of all the people that I share the gospel with, and ten, a tenth of those get saved by the grace of God, can I say that is more than enough this morning? Can I say if there was only one person alive on planet Earth, Jesus Christ would have still died for them, still would have been buried for them, and still would have rose from them? If he was willing to do that for one person, why aren't we willing to do the same for those that God has placed in our life. But we see here this morning, there's four areas that Isaiah puts his gaze upon. In essence, this morning, we're going to look at these four areas that Isaiah looked. And we're going to see how they apply to us. And, and really, it's a process. It is a, it is, is the first look leads to the second look that leads to the third look and finally leads to the fourth look. And we're going to ask ourselves, what are we looking at this morning? Who are we looking at? What are we observing? And we have to ask ourselves, do we see what Isaiah sees? Notice number one this morning, we notice what Isaiah looked at. We notice what Isaiah looked at. Verse number one, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died. Now, you have to do a little bit of Bible study this morning to figure out exactly what's going on here and to get the grasp of it. And can I say, I've read uh, Isaiah chapter 6 many times and Isaiah chapter 6, verse number 1, and I'm, I'm so quick to get to the other parts of the chapter that are just wonderful and good that if you skip that little phrase, right, in the year that King Uzziah died, you miss a great deal of truth. Uzziah was the king of Judah. History tells us that he was one of the last godly kings in Judah. Now, the Bible tells us that he was not just a godly man, but he was a good man. He tried his best. He, he ascends to the throne at the age of 16, rules and reigns for 52 years. The majority of that, those, those, that, that, those years that he is ruling, 
He is, he, is, he is seeking God. He's following the instructions according to the law. And he's, he's even tearing down things and he's building up things. And he's a good leader for Judah. But the Bible tells us in 2 Kings chapter number 15, also in the book of Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, that towards the end of his reign, Uzziah gets leprosy. Right, he contracts leprosy. Really, he doesn't contract it. God gives it to him. And Uzziah, for the fear of his family and the fear of those around him, removes himself from the palace, removes himself from his regular home and puts himself in a separate house. And now he is no longer sitting on the throne. He is, he's alive, but he's no longer ruling. And in his stead, his son Jotham takes the throne and begins to operate the kingdom of Judah. He begins to do the day-to-day -day operations, judging the people, helping them out with their problems and, and giving the wisdom there. And well, you could read our Bible. Now, Jotham wasn't necessarily a good king. He wasn't necessarily a bad king. He was somewhere in between. But we read that at the death of Jotham, Ahaz, the grandson of Uzziah becomes king and he's a wicked man. And I think Isaiah could have easily looked at it and said, you know what? Boy, things was good when Uzziah was king. Things were wonderful when Uzziah, now he wasn't a perfect man, but he strived to serve God. He strived to lead us in the right direction. Now, he wasn't perfect, but man, he gave it a good effort. And Isaiah could said, man, I, I can remember when things weren't like the way they were in Judah. I can remember when the, the king stood for things that were right and the king trusted God and the king believed God and now in the days of Ahaz, Isaiah looks out and says, boy, we had it real good under the days of Uzziah. And I think he could step back and he said, well, here's where the decline began to start. It's when Uzziah got leprosy and Jotham became the, 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 the king at the time and filling in for him. And, and it was just a slow, slow downslope from there. I think we could look at America this morning and say there was a time in our country when, man, things weren't like they are today. People had morals. People had integrity. People were honest. People were loyal. People were helpful. People were kind. They were courteous. They were nice. You could, back in the day, you could go into the dealership and just shake hands on a deal and everybody was going to hold their end of the bargain. Now you got to go and fill out a book if you just want to try to buy a car. And we're living in a day and we can step back and we can look at everything and, and, and see the problems and not just on note, but we can look and see the spiritual side of America. And we can see the decline. We can point it out. We can point out when they took prayer out of schools. We can, we can, we can look at it and say when they banned Bible clubs from the school. We can look at it and say when they, when they took the word of God off the walls. They took commandments out the courthouse. And they stopped praying before Congress. And they stopped doing all of these things. We can say there's where America began to slip. But we can look at the homes of our society. We can look at the homes in our society and say that's where it began. When moms left the place of raising children and fathers quit leading the home and, and children began to rebel, there was no obedience, there was no instruction, there was no correction, there was no teaching, there was no training. And we can look and say, that's where it began. We can see the slope in our homes. And unfortunately, this morning, we can see the slope in our churches. 
But we can, we can read about the stories of old men like Moody and Spurgeon and all those men that, that would, Whitfield, who would go and preach and thousands would get saved and, and, and revivals that took place in our, in our nation's history during the Revolutionary War, during the Civil War, during World War I and II, how these revivals broke out when people got serious about God. And we can say, well, we can see where the slope began. We turned in Christ honoring music for entertainment. Where preachers began to quit preaching the book and began to preach social issues. Where preachers got more consumed with what politics had to say than thus saith the Lord. We can step back and we can look at everything and say where the slope began to fall. And here's the thing, everything that Isaiah looked at did not help him. It did not strengthen him, it did not encourage him. Did you realize this morning that you and I were not created to know everything that's going on all the time? We weren't created for that. God did not design us for that. God did not design us so we could spend our lives on Facebook and watching the news and, and, and trying to keep up with everybody else that's going on. God designed you and I to worship him. Can I say this morning, if a bomb strikes in China, what you going to do about it? Right now they're shooting rockets into Israel. How can you help? What can, now, no doubt we can pray this morning, but if we become so consumed with everything that we look at, we will live a miserable and discouraged life. Because we'll step back and say, there's absolutely nothing that I can do. Now, Isaiah looks at society. He, he says that it all began when King Uzziah died. And we can pinpoint the problems and cause them and who's at fault and why it's wrong and who's wrong. But if that's all we do, we'll become fearful, mad, and discouraged. Let me ask you this one. Have you been consumed with all the wrong emotions due to all the things you're looking at? You've come, well, preacher, I'll tell you what, them politicians would just get into gear. Let me give you some news, they ain't going to. Preacher, i tell you what, that board of education could just, just figure out they're not going to. Boy, i tell you what, if these churches would just get on fire for God, most of them have sold out to entertainment and money. And we can stare at it all day long and point out all the problems and all it's gonna do is make us mad. I think, I think Isaiah stepped back and said, in the year that King Uzziah died, everything's been downhill since then. But I want you to notice more than what Isaiah looked at caused him to look up. Look at verse number one. In the year that Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And instead of focusing on just King Uzziah, Isaiah said, you know what? He's died, he died, he's dead, he's gone. Jotham ain't done no good. Ahaz ain't helping us any at all. You know what? I might as well look up. And here's what Isaiah found when he looked up. He found a king still on the throne. He found a king that was still ruling and reigning. He found a king that still was in power and said, all might and all strength given unto him. So number one, Isaiah looked at. Number two, Isaiah looked up. And he found out he was still on the throne. He was high and lifted up. Oh, Uzziah stumbled. Ahaz stumbled. Jotham stumbled. He found out God hadn't stumbled. And God hadn't fallen. He hadn't stepped down. He hadn't abdicated the throne. He was still sovereign in control. Can I say we can look at everything that's going on around us and we can let it overwhelm us. We can let it confuse us. We can let it, us, us become fearful and discouraged and downtrodden. Or we can look at everything and say, you know what? I still know who's in control. I know who still holds the cow of a thousand hills and the hills thereof. The earth is his and the glory thereof. It's all his this morning. He looked up and saw that he was still on the throne. Verse two and three, he saw his glory was still on display. He stood, 
Above it stood the seraphims, one which had six wings, and twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Aren't you glad this one that God hasn't changed an ounce of his character? He hasn't changed an ounce of his honesty. He hasn't changed an ounce of his integrity. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to change for all eternity. Those seraphims have been saying the same thing. He's still holy. He's still holy. He's still holy. He's still righteous. He's still God. He's still on the throne and his glory is still good. They've seen his glory on display. King Uzziah had hidden in another house. He, he got leprosy and he went so somewhere and he hid from everybody else so they wouldn't get sick and God said I'm not hiding from nobody I ain't scared of nobody I ain't sick of nothing I'm still on the throne my glory is still my glory I still got all the power and the Bible said his train filled the temple now let me help you out that that train is the hinder parts of somebody the back sides of the garments that's the side that you and I really don't pay much attention to let me ask you when's the last time you looked at the cuff of your pants and said, boy, them things look good. But God's so glorious. The cuff of his pants fill the room in that sense. His, that's how glorious he is. The smallest amount of him is more than you and I can handle this morning. God's glory didn't just fill his house, but it filled his temple, or filled the earth. Uzziah's authority ended at Judah's boundaries. Uzziah could have made the rules for Ethiopia. He could have made, tried to make rules for Egypt. He could have tried to make rules for everybody else, but they would have stopped at the borders of Judah. But God said, last time I checked, the earth is mine. It has no borders. I have no hindrances. I have nothing that can me. I am sovereign and I'm in control. His glory was still on display. Look at verse number four. Isaiah looked up and seen God's voice still had authority. Verse number four, and the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried in the house that was filled with smoke. Uzziah's voice had gone silent. There was a time where he stood and he did right. He gets sick and he dies. Isaiah said, I looked at Uzziah and I seen where everything went downhill. And I, I just wish Uzziah could make one more decree, one more law to pull Judah back to God. He said, but his voice lost his authority. But Isaiah looked up and he heard the voice of God. And he said, that voice ain't lost no power. That voice hasn't lost any authority. That voice is still the, the, the most powerful voice ever known to man. Now, it's one, thing to, it's one thing to rattle a door on a hinge. That doesn't take much. My, 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 my son can grab the, the, the handles of a door and shake it and jiggle it and make that door go back and forth. But it's something else to grab the, the bracings of that and begin to shake those things back and forth. And Isaiah said when God speaks, he shakes things all the way down to the core. He doesn't just have a little effect or some effect. He gets deep down into the bones and the marrow and the heart of man this morning. Can I say this one? That's why the word of God pricks you like no other book can. It's still the power of God. We, we, we believe the word of God isn't just some book. It, just, it isn't just written by men, but it's the very words of God. That's why when you read things, it convicts you. It doesn't just bother you on a surface level, but God gets deep down into your frame and into your core, and he begins to work. Can I say this morning, everything else out there might be looking bad, but the one on the throne, his voice still has authority. <laughs> it's clear and convicting. Well, don't you remember when his voice moved you? Well, you heard his voice. <laughs> and God began to take his word and begin to work in your life. And you realize, Lord, you're right. You listened and you obeyed the voice of God. Aren't you glad that when everything we look seems to be bad, 
There's one we can still look up to. <laughs> Isaiah looked at. He said, it don't look good. Isaiah looked up, said, it looks real good. Number three, Isaiah looked in. He looked in. <laughs> Isaiah looked at. He said, it ain't good. Isaiah looked up, said, it's real good. Isaiah looked in and said, I ain't as good as I thought I was. Look at verse number five. Then I said, woe is me. Now notice this morning, that's not a period right there. So Isaiah didn't say, woe is me, Lord. Woe is me. He said, woe is me. We, he was looking, what he, what he was looking at caused him to look up, which caused him to look in. And here's the thing this morning, if you try to skip the second step, in essence, when you look at and you look uh, towards everything that's going on and you forget to look up and you just look in, you're gonna skip that step and mess everything up. See, when you forget to look up, you can look at and say, at least I'm as bad as them. I, I mean, I, I mean, I ain't perfect in everything, preacher. But they are far more badder or worse than I am. Well, badder is not a word, but sometimes we need to use that to describe ourselves. In essence, when you skip the second step, you'll become a Pharisee. Be like a Pharisee praying in the New Testament, Lord, I sure am glad that I ain't a sinner like them. Lord, I sure am glad I'm not as bad as them. I, I, Lord, I, I sure, I, I mean, Lord, look at everything I do for you. Look how wonderful I am. Look how good I am. You know why he, pray, he skipped the second step? He looked at and never looked up. But when you and I look at and we look up, we'll get a good look at ourselves when we look in. But looking up will cause you to look in with the, the right attitude. He said, woe is me. Let me give you an helpful language. Isaiah, Isaiah looks up, looks in at himself and says, I'm a dead man. In essence, Isaiah was signing his own death warrant. He was saying, I am so, so far from the Lord. I'm so short of his glory. I'm a dead man. Why? He had seen the holiness of God. He had seen the rights of God. He looks in himself. He said, woe is me. I'm a dead man. We see this morning, he said, well, preacher, why? Why, why was he in such a state? He said, one, for I am undone. Right, for I'm undone, preacher, what in the world does that mean? He had no good excuse, no reasonable explanation to why he was the way that he was. He couldn't find a, a good enough excuse to excuse himself. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips. Isaiah said, I'm wrong. I'm not as good as I thought I was. I, I, I'm not, I don't measure up like I thought I did. He said, not only am I wrong, he said, everybody else around me is wrong. Look what it says right there in verse number five. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. You know what the saddest part of the reality is? That those that we look at out there and we can see the lack of hope, we can see the lack of peace, we can see the lack of joy, we can see the lack of Christ in their life. They are surrounded by a whole bunch of other people who are in the same boat as them. They're trying to help each other. And no doubt they, 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 they can give money and they can cure disease and, and, and they, they can give positive thoughts and all that kind of stuff, but none of that's really helping them. Isaiah said, I, I not only am I undone, but I look out and I realize that nobody around me can really help me. I'm undone. Woe is me. And here's what spurned all of this in Isaiah's heart. He said, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah said, I got a good look at him and realized I ain't nowhere near him. I'm nowhere near good enough. I'm nowhere near smart enough. I'm nowhere, nowhere near wise enough to earn and to, to figure my way out of this. There's this confession of sin in Isaiah's life when he looks in. Lord, I'm not as good as I thought I was. 
Lord, if I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, I'm glad Isaiah chapter 6 don't stop right there. <laughs> Isaiah makes this profound profession. Lord, I'm not as good as I thought I was, and I have no idea what to do about it. But I wish, I wish the Lord would have went to, between verse 5 and 6 and said, hold on a second, I got something figured out. <laughs> I've already got a plan. Don't you worry, Isaiah. Look at verse number 6. Then flew one of the seraphims unto him, unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from off the altar. He laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips. Thine iniquity is taken away. Thy sin is per-. Notice there was a prepared remedy. The Bible says that, he, that angel comes and he grabs a live coal. Now, this morning we realize in order to have a live coal, you've had to have a fire burning for a while. You can't just throw lighter fluid on it and instantly get a coal. Oh, preacher, I can go to the store. I can buy charcoal. You know what it is? That's wood that's been burnt for a while and mixed together with some other things. But in order for that angel to go, there'd already been a fire burning. God had already prepared exactly what Isaiah needed. And can I say this morning, when you come to that place in your life, when you look in, you realize, Lord, I'm not as good as I thought I was. I don't know what I'm going to do. Can I say God already knows what you need? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's not expecting you to get it all figured out. He's expecting you to come to that realization, Lord, I need you. And I need what you've already prepared for me. How many glad this morning that salvation isn't something God thought up on the spot, but it's something he's planned for all eternity. Notice the prepared remedy. It was a live coal. It came from the altar, the place of sacrifice. Well, how many glad? We already talked. How many glad for Calvary this morning? Where Jesus laid down his life for you and I. He became the sacrifice for us. And the angel takes that piece from the sacrifice, that coal from the place of sacrifice personally gives it to Isaiah. And we see there's a prepared remedy, but there's also a promised remission. Look at verse number seven. And he laid it in my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, thine iniquity is taken away in thy sin purge. Well, ain't that a blessing? <laughs> Let me ask you, who told Isaiah his sin was forgiven? Isaiah didn't step back and say, well, now I've got this coal and this angel's talked to me. Well, my sins must be forgiven. No, the Bible says that the same one that brought the coal unto Isaiah says, Isaiah, thy sins are forgiven. Thy, what does it say rather in verse number seven? Thine iniquity is taken away. Thy sin is purged this morning. How in the world do you know your state? Is it because you don't sin as much as you used to? Is it because you, got, you know more about the Bible? Is it because you've got a degree from Bible college? Is it because you pastor a church? No, preacher, how in the world do you know that I'm saved? Because the Bible tells me so. I, 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 I confessed in my heart, or I confessed in my mouth and believed in my heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, that he died for me. He paid the sin debt for me. He did all of that for me. And the Bible said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I didn't get saved because I had a feeling. I didn't get saved because I got excited. I didn't get saved because the preacher told me it was. I got saved because the Bible told me I was saved this morning. And just like it says right here to Isaiah, he said, don't worry about it, Isaiah. Your, your sin's forgiven. Notice there, there was a removed iniquity. There was a cleared record. Speaks of our justification this morning. Boy, I'm glad this one that I'm justified. One preacher said, it's as if, just as if I never sinned. And I say this morning, if you're saved by the grace of God, you have a clear record. You have a clear record. God took all of your sin, past, present, and future, and cleared you of all of it. It's all been cleared this morning. You've been justified. But notice there was a clean sin. There was a clean beginning. So thy sins have been purged. 
been taken away. Well, I'm glad this morning I got saved. God gave me a new beginning, a brand new beginning. I live a life that I could not live before him. He gave me a brand new start. He gave me, I was born again into the family of God, saved by the grace of God. I got a, a new life. And I'm glad even on this side of Calvary, I've been saved for a few years now. I'm glad even when I mess up still, he's still willing to forgive me and he's still willing to, to restore and to renew that fellowship with me. Isaiah looked in and what he's seen, he didn't like. But what was given to him, he liked a whole bunch this morning. Isaiah looked at, and all he seen was problems that he couldn't fix. He looked up and seen a God who was great and holy. He looked in and seen a, seen a, a personal issue that he couldn't solve, but found out that Christ had a remedy. Then notice number four this morning, Isaiah looked out. Well, preacher, that's the same as looking at. What's the difference between Isaiah looking at King Uzziah and at Judah and at the, the children of God? And looking out, oh, his heart had changed. His heart had changed. He looked at, which caused him to look up, which caused him to look in, which caused him to look out. Let me ask you, what are you looking at this morning? Do you see what I see? Well, preacher, what caused Isaiah to look out? Well, there was a call. Look at verse number eight. And also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us. Boy, ain't that a blessing? Boy, I love my King James Bible, amen. I love how it words things because he could have, God could have easily took that phrase and made it for only a select group of believers. Only those who attend church three times a week, only those who read their Bible for three hours a day, only those who never stop praying can go for me. I'll sin. He said, whom shall I? In essence, God was saying, who's willing to go? Whom shall I send and who will go for us? There's an open registration. Whom shall I send for anybody who would respond? Can I say it isn't just the great commission this morning. It is your great commission. God has commissioned not just the preacher and not just the, the sold out Christian and, and not just those who actively serve in ministry. God has called every Christian to the gospel ministry of proclaiming and telling others that they need the Lord and that he can save them. There's an open, let me ask you this morning, have you registered for that call? Have you responded to that call? Then notice this, there was an open registration, there was an official representation. He said, who will go for us? <laughs> oh, Isaiah, Isaiah just put himself all the way down to the ground. I'm terrible, I'm unclean, I'm undone, woe is me, God might as well kill me. And God says, hey, you wanna go for me? You want, you want to represent us? Who? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Well, think about that for a minute, that God wants somebody like you to represent him. Man, let that sink in. <laughs> that God wants somebody like me. God, why don't you go find somebody who's got, who's got smarts and got brilliance and got education and got, got ingenuity and got, oh, Lord, why me? Why me? He said, because I want to. Here's the thing. We get to represent the very God of heaven, and we ought to take that serious this morning. We ought to re represent him in the wrong way, in the wrong fashion, the wrong attitude, the wrong mindset. <laughs> well, what a change has been made in my life since Jesus passed by. God took somebody who was not allowed, nor could I represent him, and now has made me a representative of him. I'm an ambassador for Christ. 
and for, for heaven this morning. There was an open registration. There was an official representation. Verse number nine, there was an immediate response. Isaiah didn't, add, look, look, look at verse number nine. And he said, go tell this people, excuse me, verse number eight, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Then said I, this is Isaiah speaking, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. If you read verse number eight, where's the fine details at? Where's the specific information? Where is the, the personal interest, right? And Isaiah didn't, didn't tell God, all right, Lord, here's, here's some good options that I have, Lord. Could you please tell me which one of these it's going to be? Here's the thing. Isaiah surrendered to go before he even knew where to go. He surrendered to represent even before he knew who he was going to re represent uh, for the Lord. In essence, Isaiah said yes before he even knew what he was saying yes to. And I think the reality, we've lost that in our modern day Christianity. We've lost the desire, Lord, whatever you want. Lord, wherever you want, to whomever you want, to however long you want. Yes, Lord, I will go. Here am I, send me. Because here's the thing, I think if you were to take verse number eight and put it at the end of the chapter, Isaiah would have said no. I'm not going. If they're not going to listen, if they're not going to pay attention, if they're just going to get worse and worse, the harder and the more I preach, then no, Lord. I think so many times in our Christian life, we are fearful to say yes simply because we don't know exactly what we're saying yes to. And if I'm going to say yes, God owes me an explanation. Can I say this morning, I'm not trying to sound rude, I'm not trying to sound brash, but God does not owe you and I an explanation. He's righteous. He's holy. He's 100% God without you. He always will be and he always has been. He said, preacher, that's mean. But the reality is when you study your Bible, you'll find out God cares a whole lot more about you than you care about yourself. Jeremiah said, I, I know the thoughts that you have towards me. Right? And he goes to list these things off and none of them are bad things. Can I say this morning? We believe this morning that God desires the best and wants the best and is willing to give us the best. And so why in the world would we say, all right, Lord, you've got to explain yourself before I say yes. When our heart ought to be, Lord, yes. Wherever, whenever, to whoever, yes. Yes, Lord, yes. Here's what we expect, everything laid out and explained to us. Here's what God expects. Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. There was a, there was an immediate response. Isaiah said, yeah, Lord, wherever we're going, wherever you want, whatever you, to whomever, Lord, I'll go. Here am I, send me. Isaiah could easily say, Lord, why don't you send Jeremiah? He's like, I mean, boy, when he preaches, he cries, right? Or Lord, why, why don't you send Ezekiel? Or Lord, why don't you send uh, Ezra? And why don't you send Nehemiah? Why, or, Lord, why, they're, they're more, they're more than I could ever be. And Isaiah says, Lord, I don't know why I'm undone. I'm unworthy, but Lord, I'll go. I'll go, Lord. Realize instruction verse number nine. What, what did God tell him to do? He said, go and tell this people. Go and tell this people. In essence, this morning, if you purpose in your heart, Lord, whatever you want out of my life, whoever you want out of, wherever, Lord, whatever it may be, Lord, the answer is yes, and you can mark it down this morning. God wants you to go and tell. God wants you to go and tell. But well, we pray about a lot of things. There's nothing wrong with that this morning. We pray about jobs. We pray about finances. We pray about health. We pray about uh, issues and problems. There's nothing wrong with that this morning. But when's the last time you prayed, Lord, whatever you want, I'm willing to do, Lord, and I'm willing to go and tell somebody. 
I'm willing to go and tell because, Lord, that's, I, I know that's what you want out of my life. Preacher, what does God want out of my life? To go. 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 One more time. Go. He wants us all to go this morning. Isaiah looked out, originally looked at everybody. He said, man, it's, it's gone downhill. He looked up and he said, boy, I'm glad God's still on the throne. And looking up, he realized, boy, I ain't got everything together. But the Lord helped him and gave him what he needed. And now, now that God's inside of him and working, he looks out and says, I'll go. I'll go and tell them, Lord. I'll go and tell them even if they don't listen. I'll go and tell them even if it seems like they don't care. I'll go and tell them even if the more I tell them, the, the deafer and the harder their hearts become. Lord, I will go because there's a tenth. There's a tenth that'll hear. There's, a, there's, there's at least one out there this morning. And here's the thing. You're going to get excited and you're going to say, all right, I'm going to go, preacher, and I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus. And you're going to go, you got your Bible, you got your tracks, you're all excited. And, and you stop the first person and say, hey, do you have a minute that I could tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ? And they're going to say, no, I don't want anything to do with that. And you're going to say, well, Lord, I, I thought you told me to go. They're, they're not responding to it. And you're going to hear it over and over and over and over and over and over again to the point where Satan's going to say, just be quiet and sit down. If God really wanted to use you, he'd let you cross paths with somebody that needs the gospel. But no, you keep talking, you keep telling, and nobody's listening. Why don't you just sit somewhere and be quiet and leave it all alone? If you're not careful, you'll listen to that and say, you know what? I'm done with it. It ain't working. Can I say some of the most glorious verses in your Bible come out of Isaiah? What well, we learn about Isaiah, we learn about the Lord Jesus Christ through Isaiah. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. Well, I'm glad this morning that Isaiah went and told. Even when nobody listened, even when nobody responded, because there was somebody that he didn't know about years down the road that was going to read that verse and say, man, he did that for me. Well, I sure do love my Savior. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. He went all the way for me. Can I say this morning, you'll hear no, 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 but the second you hear that first, yes. And you see the gospel work and penetrate someone's heart and, and they may not get saved, but you can see the Holy Ghost beginning to deal with, boy, it's gonna do something for you and you're gonna say, you know what? I'm just gonna go tell another one and I'm gonna tell another one. I'm gonna tell another one. Can I say this morning, may we, may, we, may we look out and go like Isaiah did this morning. Isaiah looked up or he looked at and he's seen the problems. He looked up, he's seen the Lord. He looked in and seen his problems. He looked out and he's seen a promise. If I go and tell God, We'll keep his end of the bargain. Do you look out as one with more personal preferences or one with a powerful purpose? What are you doing? Specifically, what are you doing? Tell me in depth what you're doing for the Lord. Well, I tell you what, I just told him yes. I told him I'd go. Where are you going? Well, I'm not quite sure yet. I'm just going. Are you going to pass a church? Well, I don't know. I'm just going. May we get out of the habit this morning of telling God the things we'll never do. Lord, I'm never going to do that. Lord, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do that. Can I say this morning? we may not like it, but the moment you and I say, I'll never do that for God, it's as if we're telling him no. But if we'll say, Lord, here am I, here am I, send me. He'll find somebody and put you in contact with somebody who needs to hear what you've got to say. Isaiah looked out and he's seen his purpose. Let me ask you this morning, do you see what I see? We can look at, we can talk about problems all day. Preachers have made a living talking about the problems of our society. 
Well, we can look up and say how great he is and how wonderful he is. We can look in and we can talk about how bad we are. But then we can realize how great he is and what he's given us in salvation. We can look at it and say, somebody needs this. Somebody needs what I have in Christ this morning. Let's all stand this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed.